got your Bibles, invite you to open them with me and uh, if you use a device, uh, you'll find today's, uh, the, no- the message notes uh, in, the, in the Bible app, the Version Bible app. Got to say, as we come to talk about joy today, I have found this message uh, the most difficult one I've had to prepare for all year and, and for as long as I can remember. It's, I don't know, it's been interesting... And I was trying to work out why that was, and this morning the penny dropped a little bit as I was praying and wrestling with it. And I realised in some ways this, uh, this message this morning is uh, naming some of the personal challenges and journey I've been on. And so it's, uh, uh, that's why I think it's been so difficult for me. We got this, Byron just read, that, that when this baby was born in Bethlehem, the angels came and said, this little baby is going to bring great joy. And I, I think there is something, it's interesting that so many people turn up for carols by candlelight. There is something deep in the, the human heart that knows we need joy. And that, I, I actually think this, this is why Christmas uh, can sometimes be this really mixed moment where there, there are glimpses of joy, but also it can be profoundly painful as, as the joy we long for isn't there. Uh, an author by the name of John Bloom says, looking for joy in the Christmas trappings and traditions is like opening a beautifully wrapped package with a tag that reads, joy inside, only to find the box empty. That's because our Christmas traditions don't so much house joy as much as they point to joy. And if we want our joy voids filled, we must look less at Christmas and more through Christmas to where indestructible, unspeakable, true joy really is. Joy is a, it's, it's a deep and precious reality that we actually find it hard to put words around. And I, I'm going to argue this morning, I'm going to suggest to you that there is part of you that longs for joy. But for you too, my guess is you'll find hard to name what it is. I believe uh, there is a deep human longing for joy and when I studied marketing at university, uh, they told me the job of good marketers is to tap into real human needs and great marketing campaigns uh, tap into deep human needs. And you watch the number of people who want to align their products to joy. Uh, Both Amazon and Apple in the last couple of weeks have launched new advertising campaigns. Apple's advertising campaign is about sharing joy. Amazon's is that you can create joy if you just sign up to Amazon. Uh, And these are older ads. I wasn't going to play current ads, but I'm going to show you uh, initially, uh, apparently in the States there's a a big chain called Walmart. We don't have anything quite like it. It's kind of a Kmart-ish kind of thing, uh, but they, they reckon you can stock up on joy if you go to Walmart, and then following that, uh, apparently if you buy a BMW, uh, then you'll find that BMW actually make joy. Let's have a look at these ads. 
The holidays are here again, so I'm inviting all my friends The people who are close to me, they're my extended family You've got my mom, my sis, my brother, my surprisingly cool stepmother And the two kids that she had before she ever met my dad Next you've got my aunts and cousins, they showed up with several dozen Friends of theirs, it's fine with me, I've got enough for all here in the hall, you've got my office mates, my best friend, and his online date. They've all come here to celebrate. This is my family. My judo coach, my allergist, my MySpace friends and Twitter list, and the first girl that I ever kissed. You're beautiful. I love you. Cause there's one truth I have found, and it's never let me down. When you stock up on joy, there's enough to go round. Singing joy, enough to go round. We are a car company, but we don't just make cars. We make time machines, build snowplows, and create works of art. We inspire fans and fan clubs. We are efficient and dynamic. We even shape the future. We realized a long time ago that what you make people feel is just as important as what you make. And at BMW, we make joy. There you go. Uh, turns out I don't need to preach this morning. You seem to go to Walmart and buy a BMW and everything's sorted. Well, actually, the fact that so many people want to align with joy tells us how deep and profound it really is. But also, you've got to know that marketers are out to steal your joy. Marketers are out to steal your joy because they want to tell you, you cannot be satisfied unless you have their product. And not only that, uh, unless you have their latest product. They won't be happy if you're satisfied with your old BMW. They want you to get the, the new one because you'll miss out on joy that they make unless you buy the new one. Theodore Roosevelt actually said, comparison is the thief of joy. Marketers want you to compare yourself well, actually, to these fake people in the ads, and to compare yourself and say, I, I will be much happier if I, if I just stocked up on joy with my Coke in my fridge and, uh, and went to Walmart, or if I went to uh, and bought myself a new BMW. It's a lie, in case you're wondering, uh, but it does tell us how profound joy is. Joy is profound because it is a foretaste of the world we're actually built for. Romans says, the kingdom of God isn't a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. That God's kingdom is a kingdom where joy is the norm. And because of that, one of the realities we want to talk a bit about is you won't actually find joy by trying to find joy. 
you will find joy in the moments where the kingdom is being expressed. Jesus actually said, don't seek first joy, but seek first God's kingdom. And he went on and said, and don't worry about tomorrow. One of the things that will steal your joy is your fears about tomorrow. And he says, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow's got enough worries of itself. He's really saying, be here now, be in this moment right now. And joy will always be found in this moment right now. You'll have memories of, you might have joyful memories, but you won't find joy in the past and you won't find joy in the present, or in the future. You'll only find it in the present. Brene Brown is someone who's been pretty helpful for me. She has a faith. I wouldn't say it's probably a strong faith, but she's a, a social worker and, and I don't really know what a faith's like, but, but she's done a lot of really helpful work just trying to understand how people tick. And, and she says joy is an intense feeling of, interestingly enough, deep spiritual connection, pleasure and appreciation. And... Another way of putting it is that joy is a wholehearted appreciation of the beauty of a moment. It's this sense that you are connected to something bigger than you. One of the, one of the clearest pictures I have of joy is a photo uh, Leanne took of my little son Dan when he got his new guitar and microphone and, uh, and he just was joyful. I'll, th I'll see if we can chuck that up. Can we chuck that photo up? Uh, this is, for me, a picture of joy. Wholeheartedly in the moment, not worrying what anybody else thinks. It's interesting. I, I don't know if you... Can you remember being a little kid? I remember as, as being a little kid, I, uh, I, I would get so excited about things. There would be times where... I'd be looking for, I just couldn't sleep because I was so excited about, you know, what was happening the next day. Do you remember, do you remember feeling that way? Do you remember that? I actually think that's what Jesus means when he says, if you want to enter the kingdom, you've got to become like a little kid. I think we've got this faulty view of maturity that says somehow you've got to forget your feelings and distance yourself from your feelings. Now, that, that's actually unhealthy. But there, there is this beautiful thing kids have of being able to be holy in the moment. And uh, we need to understand, as we, as we start to glimpse what joy is and what it means for us, is that joy is different to happiness. Brene Brown says, happiness is feeling pleasure often related to the immediate environment or current circumstances. Or another way of putting it, uh, I think my dad came up with this, happiness is, hap is happiness happens uh, when happenings are going the way your ego wants them to go. Happiness happens when happenings are going the way your ego wants them to go. And it's clear that happiness is not joy and sometimes when we lose 
sight of joy, will we'll grasp for happiness as a, as a poor man's substitute. Uh, and actually, one of the signs of immaturity is that your external world is determined by your happenings. Your external world is determined by your happenings. That is not a sign of maturity. Maturity isn't distancing yourself from your feelings. And it's, and it's also not having your internal world determined by your external world. The Bible's pretty clear. You can have joy even when things are really difficult. James, I mean, it's, it's, for us, and it's why this is pretty countercultural. This is pretty difficult to hear because it doesn't make sense for us as Westerners. James 1, 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you so you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So why should we be joyful when things are difficult? Well, interestingly enough, so that we can become complete and realise we don't actually lack anything. That sometimes we've got to go through tough stuff to release our dependence on stuff. And I think there are three reasons why we, why we can find joy in some of the most difficult times of our lives. And, and, and the first one is, is that, that God will be working to help us become free. All things work together for good, for those who are in Christ Jesus and called according to his plan. And what you'll find is that God will be at work in the difficult stuff. The other reason we can be uh, joyful when things are difficult is because of what they named Jesus when, when the angels said Jesus was when he turned up. Emmanuel, God with us. That God promises to be with us in the tough stuff. It's not just about what he's doing. He promises to be with us. I, I keep coming back to... Uh, it, was, it was lovely for me seeing Pete's face. Pete, for those who are new to our church, Pete Clark was a special part of our church family. And on the memory tree at Lena Valley there, when we had some shots coming sideways of Dan playing, there was Pete's face on the tree. Uh, Pete passed away, uh, I guess it's about six weeks ago now, I'm really losing track, but one of the things uh, he would hang on to was Psalm 23. And Psalm 23 says, Even though I walk through the darkest valley... I will fear no evil because you are with me. Some of the darkest times of my life, I've discovered that God was with me. And there are, have been other times, other dark times, where I've been so focused on the dark times that I lost track of the fact that God was with me. So that's the second reason we can find joy in difficult times. It is because God is with us. And the third reason is there's this incredible hope we're looking forward to. 
the reality you are currently living in is just a pale imitation of the reality we're looking forward to. And the, the joy we experience here is just a tiny taste of what normal life is going to be in that reality we're looking forward to. And so for those three reasons, we can hang on. There's a, a reference there to Psalm 126, which sort of captures a lot of that. And the, the Psalm 126 is, uh, in many ways, a, a, a psalm all about joy in the face of stuff, but tough being, stuff being tough. Let me get it right. We had a late night last night at uh, my son's uh, Bucks party. <laughs> so a few of us are looking a little tighter than normal. Um, but I, I actually think being joyful is a revolutionary act. Being joyful is a revolutionary act. This world will want to sell you on the pale imitation of joy, on happiness, and tell you just try and get all the circumstances lined up so everything goes well. But joy is the choice to choose to focus on what's right with the world rather than what's wrong with the world. To focus on the fact that this world was created by God and it is good and that there are moments and pieces of light in your life even in the face of darkness. It's what Nehemiah had to remind the people in as, as they rebuilt the temple and, and as they heard the law of God and they realised just how far they were from how things were meant to be, their natural response was to cry, to be sad. But Nehemiah said, this day is holy. This is Nehemiah chapter 8. This day is holy to the Lord. Do not mourn or weep for all the people have been weeping as they listen to the words of the Lord. Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice, choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is holy to our Lord. Don't grieve for the Joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites calmed all the people saying, be still because this is a holy day. Don't grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. Can you see that for them they had a choice? And... I want to suggest that you too have a choice. You can focus on all the ways things are wrong. Or you can look to see what God is up to in your life. It's interesting, uh, in the Old Testament, the, the, the word for joy was more than a feeling. The same word meant the, an expression. You couldn't feel it without getting it out. And it was often related with a party. It, was, it always happened with other people. Joy was something you did with others. And, and I think this is where we uh, in the Protestant church have failed our people a lot because we have taught us to you know, just be, be fairly uh, self-contained and isolated. We're not real good at parties. We're not real good at celebrating and being joyful together. It's a... 
Baptists fought for a long time uh, to make sure nobody danced. And when they got to a point where they decided they could dance, they found that nobody actually could dance anymore because we'd forgotten how to. And, and I, I think we've got to learn how to party. We've got to learn how to express joy. It's interesting, Paul, whenever in the New Testament, Paul talks about joy, 95% of the time, it's about joy in other people. It's not about what's going on in his internal world. He is just excited and joyful for what he's seeing in the lives of others. And that brings us to a reality. You notice that sometimes people will let you down. You notice that? Every now and then, people will let you down. It's not possible to have joy without also being open to sorrow. It's not possible to have joy without also being open to sorrow. Joy is a fruit of the Spirit. Jesus was the most joyful person who ever lived. But Jesus also wept. This is where I think we've got to face our false teaching, where we think that somehow being a grown-up means you don't experience joy or sorrow. We, we, and we, we learn to cope. I think I, part of it is I was having my quiet time this morning, just praying and trying to work out, why am I finding it so hard to talk about joy? I realised, as a little tacker, I've already said that, I, I, I felt things really deeply. I really did. I would be so excited about Christmas and birthdays and meeting people and all kinds of stuff. Uh, but I'd also be really sad about things too and I would, I would be embarrassed because I would cry. And I, I still remember the, the day the penny dropped for me. School, my first year at school was pretty traumatic. I, I kind of went in expecting everybody to be friendly and, and it was really, it was one of, a horrible year, that first year of kindergarten. It was a bit disillusioning. And then, then I, uh, so I, I learnt that sometimes people could be painful. And then, then my, my dog, Snoopy, uh, actually, uh, ended up in some kind of fight and bit one of the next-door neighbours and had to be put down. And I, I still remember, this morning as I was reading and praying, um, I still remember the moment as I watched Mum take him into the car and take him off to the vet because he had to uh, go to a better place. Uh, I remember watching myself and not crying at that point and making a decision, I think I was six making a decision to bottle up my feelings. And now, as a now 51-year-old, I'm having to learn, unlearn the decisions I made as a six-year-old, discovering that being a grown-up isn't about not having feelings. You, we were built for joy, and we were, we were built to care about what God cares about. Learning to bottle up your feelings is not a sign of maturity. It's a sign of alienation. Brene Brown said, given that I study emotions like shame, fear and vulnerability, 
I hardly expected to one day be telling you that exploring the construct of joy turned my, prof my professional and personal life upside down. But it's true. In fact, having spent several years studying what it means to feel joyful, I'd argue that joy is probably the most difficult emotion to really feel. Why? Because when we lose the ability or willingness to be vulnerable, joy becomes something we approach with deep foreboding. This shift from our younger self's greeting of joy with unalloyed delight happens slowly and outside of our awareness. We don't seem to even know that it's happening or why. We just know that we crave more joy in our lives, that we are joy-starved. So how do you rediscover joy? Particularly since I've already said that you can't seek joy in and of its own right. Well, part of the secret comes... Uh, Dan, even House really didn't want me to mention this, but I feel like I need to. And I, this is where I need to apologise to my daughter, Maddie. She's not here tonight, so that's, that's good. But we, uh, did you know Hayley Mills, uh, the, the actress, babysat our daughter for the first year or so, year or so that um, Josh was, after Josh was born? The, the movie Pollyanna. Has anyone seen the movie Pollyanna? It's a black and white movie, Hayley Mills in it. It's like me and Irene here, we're the only ones that have seen Pollyanna. You, uh, and Ray. Ray, anyone else? Any advance? Oh, yeah, a couple. Okay, we've got a few people who have seen Pollyanna. What, ga what game did Pollyanna play? Can anyone remember? What game did Pollyanna play? Pollyanna played a game she called the, the Glad Game. And one of the things she, 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 she said her dad, who was a, a missionary, had taught her to always look for something to be grateful for. As it turns out, that's actually really good Bible teaching and good therapy. A, the, the key to joy isn't seeking joy. It's about being thankful for other things. Brother a Jesuit uh, priest said the root of joy is gratefulness. It's not joy that makes us grateful, it's gratitude that makes us joyful. In, with that in mind, Brene Brown went on to say, I believe that joy is a spiritual practice we have to work at. You won't accidentally be joyful. What you will accidentally do, if you're not actually conscious of it, you'll just see all that's not right with the world and get frustrated. And you'll think you're, that if you can just change what's right, wrong with the world, then somehow the pain that you experience inside will go away. It, it doesn't work that way. Brene Brown talks about learning to be thankful for the moments in her life. To enjoy your life is a choice to focus on what's right in your life rather than what's wrong with your life. It's what 
I, I've never, re I'd never really understood till I've really. It's been a really big week for me, really, trying to wrestle this stuff to the ground. Honestly, I, I'd never. I'd always felt a bit, I don't know, um, a bit guilty about Philippians four, because it says, "Rejoice in the Lord always," and and I I know I would. There's plenty of times where you wouldn't describe me as rejoicing. How about you? Do you, do you find there are times where you're not rejoicing? What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord always? To have, what he's saying, the word rejoice means literally to, to act, to have joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. He's saying, look, yeah, you and God both can see all that's wrong with the world. Stop, get, stop letting that get to your internal world and, and bring that to God and do the bad stuff with God. Bring, bring your request, bring all the stuff that you think needs to change. Let God know about that. And then he says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And then he gives us a bit of a clue. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, what are we to do with that stuff? We're meant to be thinking about that stuff. He says, he says, think about such things. The Apostle Paul assumes that you need to take charge of your own mind. We often feel, we've been conditioned to think that in order for us to have integrity, we've got to express what's, whatever is on our mind at the time. No, that's what a three-year-old does. That is not a sign of maturity. Expressing whatever is on your mind at the time is not an ex a sign of maturity. No, choosing what to think about. This world is sad and dark and bad. And you can spend your life focused on that stuff. And it will not lead you to joy. Because in every moment of darkness, there is a glimpse of light. God created this world and it is actually good. And in the face of darkness, Jesus sent, Jesus came as Emmanuel, as our light in the darkness. And he promised that there will never be a point of darkness where he won't be. Joy comes by choosing to be thankful. To appreciate the things or the people in your life who are right, who are pure, who are lovely, admirable, excellent or praiseworthy. Paul had it right. 
And the more you learn to appreciate the gift of the life that God has to, for you, the more you'll find yourself being joyful. I think it's a bit sad that sometimes we Christians don't, aren't joyful because we're so focused on the darkness. We're so focused on what's wrong. We fail to see that the baby was born in Bethlehem. To bring us life and light and hope. Jesus said to us, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love just as I've kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Now listen to what he says next. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Love is the key to joy. Letting yourself love the people, love the moments, love the gifts, living from a place of love. There's no safe way to live from a place of love. But there's no other way to live a life of joy. And there's this incredible truth that the more we love Jesus, the, the less dependent we are on our external circumstances. The more it is possible to rejoice in the Lord always. And so the, the, the fundamental question of your life, if you want to live a life of joy, isn't, how do I organise my life so there's no more pain? It is. What does it mean for me to love Jesus a bit more? To spend more time with him, to let his joy enter my heart. I know that there may be some watching online today or even here in the room who, who are thinking, what do you mean loving Jesus brings joy? There may be some of you have been coming to church for a long time and, and while you may have you got distant memories of discovering Jesus and how joyful you were at that time, it may be a while. And uh, the darkness, the badness, the pain may have sort of crept in. I love that old hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth, the painful stuff, will disappear in the light of his glory and grace. I know I'm still on a journey, to be honest to rediscover joy <laughs> and, and, and unlearn some of the habits I, I started to learn as a six-year-old. 
But I know we are called to be people of joy. We are not going to convince people of how beautiful Jesus is by our clever ideas. But the more we let Jesus take us over, the more more wholehearted, free and joyful we will actually be. The more we hang out with Jesus, the more we will discover we are loved and we can love. And as we do that, we'll discover why he came to bring us joy. Let's pray. Jesus, we acknowledge. I don't know if it's true for everybody here, but certainly for me, that there is a joy void that we've tried to fill with other stuff, where we've tried to reach for happiness as a pale substitute for joy. Help us turn the volume back up on our lives. Help us not live pale grey lives. Help us be open to your joy. Help us be open to to being grateful for the gifts you've given us in our lives. And help us see them. Your servant Paul said, help us learn to take charge of our thinking and not be victims of our thinking. Help us learn to, to focus on the beautiful and the good and the right, not the dark and the sad and the bad. Help us gradually grow our joy muscles, (laughs) our our gratitude muscles. And help us learn from Pollyanna. Maybe play the glad game a bit more. We ask this in your name. Amen.